Hi, everyone. My name is Miguel Magalhães, and welcome to another episode of The Nights TV, the videocast about all things Web3 in Portugal and around the world. Today, we're going to have an episode that's a bit different. Instead of having a discussion uh, about uh, two people, uh, we're still going to have a discussion or rather a conversation <laughs> about two people. And um, I have the opportunity to talk with Paul Fonseca, who was recently appointed as one of the new members of the leadership team of D-Knights. And I thought that this could be a, a good opportunity to uh, present him, talk a little bit about uh, his background and what has he done uh, in an industry, and kind of talk uh, about uh, not only that, but DAOs, which is one of the areas in Web3 that he has kind of specialized, and also as a member of the new leadership team of the Knights, what can we expect from the, the community in the next coming months? Paul, thank you very much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Be honest with me. Have you have you checked any of the latest episodes or is this, is this, is this the first time that you're hearing me? No, no, it's not the first time. I checked a little bit of the first one only. I just now realized that there's four more or something. Yeah, I yeah. That's, that's what it is. That's what that's why I'm calling the the new leadership because I want to ensure that everyone in the community is listening to this. So <laughs> if I can start with one of the leadership members, maybe everyone will follow. Um, so the idea, as I said, uh, Paulo, um, as I I did a little bit of research, of course, and your background, uh, as most people in in Web three, it didn't start in 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 Web three. So uh, it started in design, and uh, I wanted to, for you to tell me tell me a little bit of your pitch and uh, your story before you got in contact with uh, Web three. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm a designer. I've always wanted to to build things and to to do stuff that. Um, creates a good impact in the world and I've um, actually studied to be an industrial designer you know the ones that uh, create physical products that pollute the world and then go onto a <laughs> landfill and destroy nature and I realized that I didn't want to put more garbage into the world and I realized that software was much easier to iterate on and to uh, change and to experiment on and so I did uh, uh, I switched to be a web designer at the time and um yeah, I've been doing um, UX design for like 12 years or something, too much, maybe, probably. I've been, um, uh, you know, running um, design companies, teaching uh, design and UX and so on, and um, uh, been enjoying that as well. In uh, 2016, I think, um, I had heard about Bitcoin before and so on, but in 2016, I was like, Oh, there's this thing called the DAO. But have you ever invested in, in Bitcoin or any of the currencies before like, you decided to kind of join the, the movement? Well, uh, I only joined the movement like full-time for real like one year ago or something. Okay. Um, um, more, than, more than one year ago when I, I decided like, okay, I'm, I'm tired of traditional corporate work and I'm going to go full-time into crypto and Web3. And it was in... Yeah, maybe like 15 months ago or something. And um, but but I've I've been, you know, into the space kind of uh since 2016 because of the DAO, the initial first DAO, let's say. And um there was a big um debacle and then it was hacked and it was a big a lot of fun. 
but uh, I got the bug there and um, and started, you know, investing then and 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 learn more about the space, learn more about technology. About what did you what What did you really like about it? What What about the concept of the, a, yeah, a the decentralized a, de a decentralized autonomous organization? What was yeah, the promise, that the compared to what what you have that really really made you passionate about learning more about this this specific technology? Yeah, so, I mean, so, uh, a bunch of stuff. I, at the time, I was running a design agency, like a normal you know design agency. And I, you know, I had to hire people and pay salaries and do all the admin work and blah, blah, blah. And I was always trying to find ways to automate all the stupid, boring little processes that the company has. And uh, one of the promises of the DAO at the time was to um, code is law. Everything is automated. Everything executes automatically. There's no uh, possibility for corruption and collusion. Like what's decided through a vote is what gets executed. It was a really pure um, version and idea of what the DAO could be. It was like the first implementation. And maybe it was also too idealistic because they um, didn't realize that they could uh, get so much money into that contract. Like at the time, 15% of all Ethereum was into the DAO, which is a lot. It's like risky. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, that was ACT, and that's what created Ethereum Classic and Ethereum, what it is now, right? The split between those two. And so, but the idea, the, the purest idea of what the decentralized organization could be in the way that they set up, I was like, yeah, for, of course. I mean, we are running corporations like if it was 19th century, this makes no sense. It's super bureaucratic. It's super um, boring. We have technology to be much better at running um, organizations and making decisions and uh, making the right decisions. And so that was the promise of the DAO in the... And what is for you the, the best definition of uh, a DAO in simple terms compared to what we knew in, in the business world or in the way that uh, organizations are structured? Uh, what is for you the best definition? Yeah, I mean... I think I think the simplest way to 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 tell about it is something that I said before, which is DAOs are to corporations, organizations, as democracy was to monarchy. I don't think people realize enough that in a corporation there is a king, there is a emperor that decides on fate of people with a thumbs up and a thumbs down. That that exists. That's real, right? If a corporation decides to fire people, it will fire people. It will screw people's life without with no mercy, as we've seen recently, by the way, <laughs> like Google did to 12,000 people in the middle of the night or something, right? So um, it is kind of a non-democratic, um, one ruler for all kind of system that we have in corporations nowadays. And I mean, I've been running my own company for a while and I don't like to be in that position. <laughs> You know, I even I don't like to be in the position of the emperor that uh, has that kind of a, um, control and power because I'm I know I'm not perfect and I can be corrupted and I don't always make the smartest decisions and so on and so forth. And when I realized I was like, okay, there must be a better system to design an organization and to govern an organization that doesn't rely on the you know uh, merits of one single person, the CEO, the owner, or whatever it is, right? But do you believe that, um, and uh, the, the definition was much more clear, but do you believe that, and, and I know that in the Web3 space, there's a lot of companies that they are governed by a DAO, or at least they, they created a DAO to manage some of the dimensions of, of their business. But 
in the end, even with you, and we can we will go there in a couple of moments, but even with you believing in the, the way that a DAO structures, do you believe that it can be applied to all the different uh, areas of a company? For example, don't you believe that at some point there's need, there's a need to be someone making some decisions instead of depending on a on a community to do it? Or you believe that the power of a community is also always enough for a, a company to move into a direction independently of what it is, uh, no matter like a, a product yeah. that they should develop or a market that they should venture? Do you believe that the, a community-led vote, it's always better than having one person taking the shots? Yeah, uh, I don't. It depends on the decision. So the we have to think from the point of view of, um, I mean, it's it's not that all corporations are wrong and don't deserve to exist. No, not not at all. Like we have the world that we have today because corporations were able to produce so much value that, you know, our grandparents could not even imagine. Right. So that's 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 there and it's done. But I think we're all feeling that that era is coming kind of to an end, maybe. Right. And so there must be something else for the future of humanity, let's say. And uh, if that's the case, that something else will probably not look like a corporation. It will probably look like someone else, something else. My guess is that it will probably look more as a, as a decentralized organization. But the, the difference is there are a lot of things that should remain centralized, that should remain a company, a startup, that should remain a corporation, because they're not really the kind of problems that would benefit from a decision-making process that is decentralized. You know, a decentralized decision-making process only makes sense for certain types of decisions. Because if you're trying to ask a group of people, uh, hey, what's the best setting for this particular bonding curve or this particular DeFi protocol? Like, forget it. The, 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 the right decision is not going to come from there. The right decision is going to come from a group of experts that run simulations, do the analysis, are trained to do that, and they'll come up with the right number to do that, and that's it, right? But... Not all decisions are like that. Not all decisions benefit from an expertise point of view, right? Some decisions, specifically things like public policy or infrastructure invest, investment or whatever, those kinds of more social decisions, um, sometimes uh, they're better made by a community and by the intelligence of the community, of the collective, than by a single person that can be corruptible, that has other interests in mind, that has you know, conflicts of interest in mind and so on. So uh can be bribed, can be lobbied, can be blah, blah, blah. And so we, we can see that in those type of, types of settings, um, a, a decision that is made by a collective is more is, is, is a better decision, usually. So I don't think DAOs should be applied to everything. I think DAOs are the upgrade of corporations. Corporations will still be able to do what they do, what they do today. But we have a lot of problems in the world that up until now corporations were not able to solve, you know, like big, like big, like big coordination problems, like climate change, AI regulation, you know, <laughs> existential yeah. threats of nuclear weapons, blah blah blah, blah. big problems in the world that no corporation is going to be able to solve, no government by itself is going to be able to solve, and that um, maybe, and that's the hypothesis, uh, a decentralized organization will be able to solve or will be better suited to solve. Basically, that's kind of the the pitch. 
Yeah, but so far, um, from, from what I've seen, you have kind of three types of, of DAOs, right? You have like the token-based based DAOs where you have like some, uh, the issuance of tokens and the, the the amount of tokens that you hold kind of give you different uh, power, voting over, power. Yeah. over voting power of their decisions. You have like uh, share-based communities, right? There's not, not, not a need to, to be a token in order for you to be uh, part of the DAO. And you still have like, they are called like reputation based DAOs, which they function depending on the work or the, the contribution that you make to, to a certain community in, in the way they, they develop. Do you believe that uh, right now there's a certain type that uh, most uh, Web3 startups that are using DAOs to govern their day-to-day, -day, they are betting on more because it has proven to work in a better way or is it we are still in a time where we are trying to figure out exactly the design of the DAOs that kind of can uh, produce actual result, results in the day-to-day -day of a, a Web3 business? Yeah, uh, that's that's what I spend most time thinking about, I guess, um, <laughs> because we're still in the phase that we're designing DAOs, right? We have... We have uh, very few examples of successful DAOs as of now. We have very few examples of truly decentralized DAOs. And we have, I'm pretty sure, zero examples of autonomous DAOs. So, you know, the DAO, <laughs> like the organization, yeah, okay, you can call yourself an organization. That's okay. Decentralized, meh. Autonomous, not at all. So we're still building it and trying to experiment with it. And that's the interesting part about this field is that there's so many experiments, so many crazy experiments that you would never think of that it would be impossible to do in the corporation, right? And so you can try them out here and see if it works or not. And up to the point that it could govern billions of dollars, right? There's some, nowadays, um, for sure, in the DeFi world, there are DAOs that govern DeFi protocols and they have usually almost always token-weighted voting, which means the more tokens you have, the more voting power you have. And I mean, just recently, just like last week, and maybe this is a bit of a recap, there was a big drama because Uniswap was was proposing, um, there was a proposal on Uniswap and um, A16Z, the big investors, they were against it. And it turns out they have a lot of tokens to vote no. So you, you see, it, you look at the proposal, it's like a big no from A16Z and everybody else saying yes. And so you realize it's not really decentralized because these guys can control everything. <laughs> but so, the, my point is really that, yeah, and from like, I've never been part of the of a DAO, but for me and from the examples that I saw, it's really hard for uh, a token-based DAO to be fully decentralized because yeah. once your voting power is kind of dependent on the amount of tokens that you hold, that's not much different than having... Uh, a, a company, a company board, yeah. or shares in the company, yeah. and depending same. on the amount of shares that you hold, you have voting power over even who who is the CEO of the company or who yeah. lives it, or what exactly, you want to do. It's exactly the same. You you do have more transparency because you yeah. see what everybody votes and you see yeah. how, how much everybody has, and you can even delegate your voting power. So if you have shares but you don't bother to read the proposals and vote, you can delegate to somebody else yeah. that would. That's that's it's better in those terms, but it's it's very equivalent. So token weighted voting is kind of that kind of system, and it is being used but to govern billions of dollars in DeFi protocols. And it's kind of working, sort of. I don't think it's the future of most DAOs. Um, um, there, is a, uh, there is then a, a few upgrades, which is you can do one person, one vote kind of governance systems, where you know 
each human being deserves in its own right to have his voice heard and they vote and everybody is the same. It's very equal. There's some challenges with that in Web3 because you cannot really prove that one wallet is one human, you know, because one human can have multiple wallets. So multiple, that's yeah, a proof yeah. of humanity kind of problem. So, yeah. So, some, so, uh, DAOs that implement that they really have like to do like QIC like basically you have to prove that you're a real person and you have that wallet and you only have participating with that wallet and all that so that's kind of that's kind of messy that's how we do it at R and DAO the DAO that I'm part of that I helped create um, because we kind of know each other and you know okay these people voted these people didn't vote so we know but what is kind of the work that's one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is that uh, what was kind of the idea when you decided. I, I believe it was Arendau your first venture into into Web three and into, uh, full, into when I was full time, yeah, yeah. Fully, yeah, fully time. What was your idea when you decided to to create it, and what kind of value were you trying to to bring to Web three that you weren't seeing anywhere else? Yeah, so so we were not. Uh, by the way, Arendau was not created just by me; it was created by me and a few other people. Um, so it was like tiny percent by me. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, um, the thing at the time was that was exactly what I was talking about, which is this is an area of, of experimentation that we can try new governance models, right? And so RDAO stands for research and development DAO. And so our aim is to do research about DAOs and understand better what are the problems and challenges within DAOs and why DAOs are failing or not, and what are the best practices in DAOs, basically. That's that's kind of a kind of a meta thing around DAOs that that's what we do, what we do there. And we publish research and we do, you know, interviews, we do, we do events with, with experts and a bunch of stuff. And uh, we also now incubate some projects that we have that uh, are building tools to help DAOs be more efficient in whatever uh, areas. And so we also have those kind of tools incubated within, within R&D. Um, but R&D was the first time that I tried myself to create a DAO with a few other people. And the challenge there is basically, okay, we want to create this in the most democratic, collaborative way possible. I mean, hopefully, right? Yeah. There's no dictator here. There's no emperor here that could do thumbs up, thumbs down. And so let's try to do this and uh, um, and try to come up with, with a solution. And uh, it's really tough to uh, have people that think differently in the same space trying to create something together because you always uh, uh, feel that, uh, okay, so who is leading here? Where's the leadership? Who decides? Where's the final world? Like you always do that with this industrial revolution mindset of there should be a decider, there should be a leader that's clearly, and we all follow the lead, blah, blah, right? So uh, there's a big issue about leadership in DAOs because it's not really clear how it should work. Uh, and being through the experience of trying to actually create a DAO and design a DAO and all that kind of gave me the um, humility to understand, yeah, this is really not easy to do at all. <laughs> you know, people are weird people have their quirks people have their uh you know are triggered by 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 some things are um you know have their own biases have their own experiences everybody has that right me for sure and so uh, it's 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 really tough to come up with a system where people can get along and accomplish something together and not you know get pissed off with each other about something right yeah which is what is usually happens on the internet uh and so um yeah we we, uh, we um um on trying to do that with R now gave me that humility to to realize okay these are really tough stuff, and uh, it's not really easy to come up with a system that uh, that we can we can follow. We've we've looked at a bunch of you know uh, web two traditional um, corporation more decentralized governance models like holacracy and sociocracy and and um, teal and so on. And I mean we even did uh, events with the founders of those uh, of those methodologies. Um, 
uh, explaining how it could be applied to DAOs and so on. The big difference with DAOs is that the person that's part of a DAO uh, actually owns the DAO, right? It's actually not just a worker or a collaborator, it's actually an owner of the thing. Yeah. And you as a human being, when you own something, you treat it differently, right? If you yeah. if you own something and you and you and you work for that something, right? If you own a company and you work for the company, you treat it differently as if you just work for the company, right? If you're just yeah. getting a salary for for the company, right? So, so just imagine everybody having that sense of uh, ownership about the thing, and then trying to figure out how to govern the things together without pissing each other off, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of really it would be like a, an improved version of like having stock options when you enter. A company, right? But you don't necessarily have like voting power, right? When you when you yeah. receive well, stock the, options, the, the, you still have some some incentive in order to not necessarily get along, but you are more interested in the performance of a company, not necessarily in getting along in terms of viewing and and direction with with the people that you work with, or not necessarily that you work with, but even within the people that use your platform or your software or or whatever. So it's kind yeah. of a different dimension because. What you're telling me, it can either be applied to the people that surround you and you, you kind of have to find uh, a way to, to work together uh, any dimension of a company, but then you also have the dimension of the people that you work for or that you build a product for can also be part uh, of the thing that... Yeah, can also own the thing. Yeah. One, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's not necessarily a dimension that uh, exists today in... Uh, in web two companies, right? Uh, yeah, not at all. It, it's as if uh, someone that drinks Coca Cola can own a bit of Coca Cola just because. Yeah, they drink that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do, you, but do you believe that, uh, for example, if you have if you had to choose one thing where a DAO could be really useful today in a in a web two company, uh, what would it be? Well, um, there's a there's a whole issue about web two companies starting to convert to web three, and I think that's. Stupid. Uh, that's not that's not how, how innovation works. Um, what what usually happens is that incumbents get disrupted and and they die, and newcomers come and 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 take their place. So I don't believe that uh, um, uh, there there's 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 a possibility of a big traditional player converting to F three and still being successful. By the way, we have plenty of examples of that failing. Just like recently, Porsche did something. The, the Porsche, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fucking disaster. <laughs> um, but um, but th there is, I mean, there's kind of this philosophy around uh, Web3 and crypto that it's not, a big part of it is uh, not compatible with the traditional business world. And so um, all the frameworks and all the foundations that we have in Web3 and, and, and crypto and blockchain, you know, they don't really play within the same philosophy. So, uh, which is a good thing because, um, and that we can thank, we can thank the Bitcoin white paper for that because that's what set the stone to the, like the first block of Bitcoin blockchain <laughs> basically is criticizing the traditional uh, capitalistic um world with the headline on the on the West, on the lines on the Lloyd's newspaper. And um and so that sets the tone of the whole thing, right? Like the foundations are different. And so it's really hard to come up pick up a, a model of traditional world and try to fit into what we think. So the best approach is always to think about what's the native shape of a thing in Web3 and try to build that and experiment. But it's always going to be weird. It's always going to be strange. It's not going to be normal. It's always going to scare people. It's going to be a big change to transition to that. 
That's that's basically the thing. But Until it see... gets normal, it gets more more. But do you easy. see, for example, even with these recent uh, collaborations that you, you have had, like even with bigger companies like uh, Amazon, Google, they are, they are trying to kind of make the transition and partnering with some of um, Web three ecosystems. Could you see in those and, and those platforms, they also have like a, a strong community of builders, engineers, software developers that yeah. are kind of still working in solutions for, for the web too. Could they try to, or do they have incentives uh, even in, in a tech world that has had lots of issues in, in the recent months? Do they have incentives to try to find a way where the the ideology of, of a DAO could actually uh, yeah. help them on, on their day-to-day -day and ones that, for example, if if layoffs were decided by a DAO, they probably wouldn't have uh, happened or maybe the, the extra hiring that was done during a period yeah, exactly. uh, of, of the pandemic probably wouldn't have happened uh, as well. So do you believe that th th those would be initial things that a DAO could be helpful, but probably the leaders that are uh, in currently in place will never... Yeah, like, exactly. We'll never, we'll never they will never. So, um, yeah. do you believe that the DAOs for the coming years are still something that reserved to the Web three world, or do you think that there can be a, a kind of this dimension across the currently more popular Web two yeah. uh, companies? I mean, again, the the the, uh, the frameworks of decentralized or more decentralized governance, like sociocracy, holocracy, and deal and all that. Those have been tried out, right? And 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 companies that have done like Zappos is one of the big examples of holacracy and so on. And uh, it works, you know, like it kind of works uh, apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm saying this with a bit of a, of a laugh because you know I've been in a company that was uh, managed with holacracy practices and it was a big, a big dumpster fire. What is what is a a holacracy practice? I've never heard. Yeah, that. so a lot. Holacracy is like a philosophy of uh, how a company could work where decisions are more decentralized and there's like whole ones like nodes and pods and they rule each other and they decide each other without a central emperor. Um, and um, well, it, with the minimized role of the central emperor. So. Okay, okay. Um, but the ownership is not distributed. That's a big difference, right? Like the employees still don't own the company. Like in a way that in DAOs that's possible to do. That's that's a big difference. Uh, so I think we we have to invent those models for DAOs really. And we we are experimenting with a bunch of different models. And there's a bunch of DAOs that are doing crazy stuff that we never thought about. That's and what I, I want. Yeah, that's what I wanted to move the conversation. Was like uh, you have like did a lot of research and you kind of try to give feedbacks on the companies that are trying to implement uh, the DAOs on their day to day business. What are kind of case studies in different, and they can be from any dimension that uh, you really were like, uh, let's say, inspired by because you thought, yeah. okay, this this is like a good step into into proving to people that at least in this particular area, this really works and and can provide results. Yeah. So. Um... There's a bunch of great examples. So uh, I'll choose a couple of them. So the, the, um, there is, um, it's always tricky to talk about specific things because people then go in and invest and then they're going to blame me like, oh, I invested, it, nah, 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 whatever. Don't take this as an investment advice. The disclaimer is do your own research. I'm not telling you to buy anything. Okay. So, um, but there are some interesting examples of DAOs that um, have, uh, have uh, happened. I think the I think the biggest one, and I think it's always 
I think it's always worth it to start with this one because this was crazy when it happened. Uh, so Constitution DAO, which was something that was formed like a few months ago, last year maybe, uh, where a few people decided, well, Christie's, like the auction house, the art, IN Heart auction house, whatever, is going to auction a copy, like a paper copy of the US Constitution. Let's put money together as the people and buy it. And let's see what happens. So a guy tweeted this out, a random guy in, on Twitter tweeted this out, and people were like, yeah, let's do it, let's do that, blah, 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 blah. This was crazy because in one week, they raised $40 million, and they were actually like the bidding war to buy the thing. And in the end, they lost, but it was so crazy because in those auctions, um, you know, people are rep represented by a, by a person that's not the real person, right? It's representing on the phone, like, yeah, bid, whatever, right? So you would... A bunch of people uh, watched the auction going live on the internet, live stream, right? And nobody knew who was the representative of Constitution now. You know, <laughs> we knew that there were two people bidding, and there was a bidding war. And in the end, we didn't know if we won or not because we we were thought that we were team the the lady that was there or team the gentleman that was there. We didn't know which one we were, right? <laughs> so there was like a, a few hours after we actually were no knew if we had won or not. And I mean, it, it was crazy because it was set up so fast. It came up with leadership of itself so fast. It came up with a website branding communication so fast. Uh, goal like plans on what to do with a piece of and, paper and, and media and media attention that it's always very important. Uh, in the, a in bunch the, of media So I mean, that was the the uh, one of the first examples where I was like, okay, this is crazy. This is this spreads like wildfire. Uh, a fucking crazy idea of someone in on Twitter like came up with a forty million dollar fund to buy this piece of paper that we ascribe meaning to as a yeah, as a yeah. society or the US does. And um that kind of proved a point for this type of DAOs, which is like special user special acquisition DAOs, like DAOs that form just to buy something. And they can do that because they think that that thing should be in the public domain or that should be not in the private collection or it should be whatever. That should be some other use to that thing because it's relevant to society instead of being owned by some douchebag somewhere. I really, I really liked, I really liked two, two examples uh, like those ones. I, I saw one that they were trying to buy an NBA team, I think. I don't remember which yeah, NBA team. Exactly, exactly. They were trying. And there was another one where I believe that Web3 can sometimes kind of represent represent like a second life to a company, which was there were a couple of people, and I think I think they are still trying to do that. That they were trying to recover the blockbuster uh, name, the the company yeah. that was destroyed yeah. by Netflix. Uh, a couple, yeah. they were trying to buy it so that they. Can it was a meme. It. It, they, they did it as a meme. They were like, "Do you know what would be funny?" Is if we would fuck Netflix by buying Blockbuster and make it much better than Netflix, right? And make yeah. it a centralized video platform for exactly, blah, blah. exactly. And it, uh, it's a meme. It's funny, and people are like, "Yeah, that's funny. Take my money, right?" <laughs> so that's that's kind of the mood of how it works. But for example, Krauss House is 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 it's impressive that the level of professionalism that they have, and I mean, I hope they 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 actually do it and they actually buy the NBA team, and they actually manage it and so on, because I think that's one of the kinds of decisions that it will be beautiful to see that experiment because we always wondered like we see our you know favorite football team or basketball team or whatever and we're like why did the coach put this guy instead of this guy and why did like what why the strategy of the team is like this right as a fan you feel that and you can't help but wonder like 
wouldn't it be crazy if fans actually could decide the strategy of the team? There's actually decide... there's a football club doing that in England, right? I saw yeah, an example. A, there's a, yeah, there's yeah. there's a, there's a club that they were trying... brought also to that. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's a yeah. group of fans that organized in a DAO, and they are kind of like Arvington they... FC or something like that. Like exactly. They, they are not part of all the decisions, but I I knew that they the the way that they built the DAO. And the way that the smart contract was was developed was kind of they have actually influencing things like should we buy this player or not yeah. or is this yeah. a good way to, to you know you know the... there's a there's a bunch of people that play you know championship manager or whatever it's called like football, football manager, foot, football uh, manager like that, yeah. that game right where you yeah. pretend to be a football club owner and you do that like there is knowledge in the collective in the community about those things. A lot of people have eyes and they see the football player playing and they kind of make a judgment of, is he good? Is he bad? Is he better in this position? Is he better in that position? Is he better when you're playing with this guy? Not maybe much better than one single coach or one single team of coaches, right? So the type of decisions that maybe would benefit from a collective intelligence maybe are this one. So I would love to see Carl's House actually buying an NBA team. And the bet in there is if they do, will they win? Because imagine if they win the NBA with a team that's governed by a community, not by a central billionaire or whatever in the team, that's kind of a big deal. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of a proof of like, yep, they were deciding things not in the best way and deciding things in this way comes up with a better um, result. Maybe. Let's see. Yeah. One other, one other use that I, I really like because it's, it directly impacts some of, I'm, I work in the media industry, so it kind of impacts me, which is there were, there were some companies in the space, for example, I know Decrypt is doing this, which they are kind of creating a DAO in order to get not necessarily a mandatory uh, stories that they need to follow, but trying to get feedback from their audience and the way that mm -hmm. read their work on, on the stories that they should follow or they, they should kind of do some some investigation yeah. or or coverage. Do you believe that uh, in, or in industries like the media one where you always have um, different opinions and opinions that often uh, run into a conflict, that is this a good model for the media space, for yeah. example? Do you believe yeah, that? Because it's basically a collective curation, right? And And specifically for investigative journalism and stuff like that, where you always have the issue of like who funds this right who pays for investigative journalists no one right so you know Gulbenkian or some foundation or whatever George Soros or whatever yeah <laughs> so so investigative journalism is harder to fund but imagine that there's a group of people that are actually really interested in this thing and they put up money up like they put a like a bounty that if journalists do some investigative journalists about this topic and they release it into the wild they'll get you know this amount of money it's like a bounty for that to happen. And then we'll motivate journalists to, you know, investigate it and be like, oh, there's a story here. Oh, there's a great story here. And let do the story and publish the story. So I think there are mechanics there that could work because currently it is a big bet for media companies and journalists to be like, oh, we're going to investigate this thing and we will hope there's a story there and then we'll spend a bunch of time doing it and then we'll publish it and we'll hope people read it, right? It's a big bet. You don't know if people will read it. You, you get a, a guess that it's going to be an interesting story, but you still don't know. So um, those kind of mechanics could benefit from, from um, you know, uh, people putting up investment to see that happening and then people and then journalism uh, responding to that demand by, by fulfilling that demand. So it, it, that can happen with crypto. And I think there's a, there's a bunch of things that are like that, right? You only know that they are worth something after they're done, right? And so uh, you can have this kind of mechanics that are retroactive funding 
to reward things that were done that people actually wanted to be to have done and they donated to it. Yeah, in the media space, the only struggle that I can see is whenever the topic that people probably would recommend the research would kind of have some uh, political influence. For example, if you have like more either left wing or right wing uh, people, yeah. like sometimes it will like uh, normally a DAO, which is made by people, you will have people that will have connections to a different side. And sometimes there can be like stories that are proposed that can be kind of can be seen as like yeah this is kind of kind of favoring one side instead of the other and that can generate some some issues when you're trying yeah. to, to to decide but that can be applied to mostly anything but, but, but when when you talk about politics that, that that can happen i don't know that always happens that always can yeah. turn into propaganda and you oh you're favoring this side or the other so but there are actually some interesting examples we had the, we had someone from uh in a in an event in Arndau from a thing called societylibrary.org and what they do is that they uh, take up like they start with a subject and the subject the example that they had was like COVID right or they had nuclear power in California and they had whatever and what they do is that they uh collect information about nuclear power in California and they collect all the information they don't care they collect just all tweets social media posts news articles research papers scientific papers whatever it is they collect everything of it and then they have a team of, of team that maps out all the arguments so like, like they broke down the claims in like arguments like nuclear power produces as much whatever yes or no it's true or false and then there's things to back it up and so they built up um a map that you explore arguments for and against having nuclear power in California. And you can deal, drip, drill down into topics of why, 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 and how many uh, evidence there are to back it up or not. And they don't have any opinion. They don't tell you if nuclear power is good or not in California, but they show you all the data with all the references, with all links, and you can explore that. And they have up on their website, a bunch of other topics like this, like COVID, like whatever, that people can fund upfront to fund researchers to go and collect the data and get the map done, right? So uh, they they work in this manner. You can go there, you can see the topics that they have, you can see the kind of thing that they have about nuclear power, which was the first one that they did. And it's amazing. And, you, you, and you're like, okay, is this journalism? I'm being informed, right? I'm browsing this and I'm being informed. I'm learning that nuclear power in California in this plant killed uh, how many ducks in a river because they were putting things on the river. And I'm learning that the whatever it is, right? So I'm getting informed by that. It's not traditional media, but it is information that's coming across. And I'm I'm just making my own mind about nuclear power. And I can use this as a tool to make up my own mind about nuclear power that when I'm going to vote, I can vote according to my opinion, right? Which is much better than voting without having an opinion, right? And that's, that's, that's basically the usefulness of journalism is to inform the population about the matters, right? So I think it could be some other methods of doing journalism that don't yeah. sound like journalism right like this doesn't sound like journalism but i as you as a, as a citizen i'm being informed it's still the same thing yeah i'm still being informed and so um it could be it could have had other shapes and i think the society library is a good is a good example and i mean yeah. the old concept is like we should have as a society as a society a library that collects all the information about certain topics that society can people in the society can benefit from and learn from basically yeah, I think that the only struggle, and I truly believe that that's a really great model, is sometimes whenever, and especially if you present yourself as a, a media publisher, you kind of uh, align with a certain editorial direction. And sometimes for you, if mm -hmm. the people who created that, that space, that publisher, it's hard for you, 
I don't know, to trust your DAO that the stories that they provide kind of follow that editorial direction independent of if it's a media that covers the day-to-day -day of Web3 world or a day-to-day -day business that just covers the day-to-day -day, uh, of agriculture, you know? So yeah. uh, sometimes that, that can, for me, that can be like the thing that still needs to be a little bit worked on. But I, I definitely think that there, there are still um, cool things that, that that are being developed. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you and, and, and a final like application on, what, on the potential of a DAO is in terms of actually investment because when, and not only in Web3, but in also in Web2 world, one of the main challenges that 2023 and 2024 present is uh, ways of uh, companies getting uh, access to uh, funding. And we talked about some projects that, uh, kind of they gave an idea and they either if they were a meme or anything but they had an idea and they were able to to raise funding but what can actually DAOs represent on companies that were established in in web 2 for example and now with DAOs they can actually if they provide or they develop a service or a platform that people find some value DAOs can actually be an investment vehicle for the future how, how do you look at that yeah, I think I think people should do that if they are ready to. I mean, not right now because we are in the bear market, but in the bull market, there's a lot of free money in Web three, and a lot of people make up uh, projects and launch tokens to raise money, right? And um, and uh, I think I think people that do that should be ready to have as investors a bunch of random unknown people. And that's not uh, an easy thing to deal with because if you go the traditional route and you go to VCs, okay, you convince three, four, five VCs and you know them and you trust them kind of, and they give you their money, but you also know that, you know, you have to answer to them in some way and 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 and, uh, and work with them as well. Uh, but uh, it's only four or five people. And so as a founder of a company, you will be like, yeah, I, I handle the investor, right? In Web3, kind of, right? Because if it is truly a DAO, if it is truly decentralized, when you actually make it a DAO, anybody can propose something on the on the on the organization. There are there are a bunch of investment DAOs, which basically is a community of people that come together, pull their money together, and decide. Okay, let's invest in this company or this company or this company or this company. And that's that's by the way, great uh, model. Um, uh, I mean, uh, Talent Protocol was invested by uh, Coin Global Coin Research or whatever it's called, and uh, they they operate like that. Um, and uh, it's interesting because. Those are the types of decisions where, yeah, a community could decide. Like it makes sense. Like if, like people are like, "Well, we have one million dollars. How do we invest it in who?" Right? And they're like, "I want this much to invest in this, this much to invest in this, this much to invest in this." And everybody does. And the end result is what gets invested. That's it. It's a it's a, a type of decision that it's easy to see how it can be decided as a collective and make sense and be fair for everybody, right? But in like a VC fund. You have the partners of the VC fund, and one of them wants really invest all the money in this thing, and the others don't don't want to, and it's like a shit show, right? In, in, because... a, in, a, in a VC, would be like like every LP giving a choice on yeah. whether yeah. should we I invest my money there or no. not instead of just the VC guy choosing yeah. where to. The, where the, to there's a lot. The money. There, the, the, that's why there's a lot of investment towns out there. That's one uh, actually maybe probably one of the best more popular more, more popular types of towns out there, and. Um, and they kind of work, yeah. They they kind of work. They can they kind of can govern themselves. They can you know uh, issue profits to people, and that's and that's that's they can they kind of work. I mean, it is also interesting to be 
um, someone looking for funding and getting funding from those kind of communities because there's also benefits on you know marketing and distribution and so on because they are probably not just investors but probably also users because they're in the web three space right so they probably will use your thing so uh, it's a win win on on both sides as well in, in many areas actually so that's that's a good idea to do. And moving moving to D Knights DAO, which is the, the DAO where that uh, elected you. Um, how do you feel about being part of the? Yeah, first first of all, I, I, it was there was no election yet. So and D Knights DAO is not a DAO yet. I <laughs> wanted to become a DAO or more of a DAO, uh, but that, the... that, that's exactly the type of feedback that I want from you, like because I think yeah. it's important for to to know like um having denied like a, a new a new member of the leadership team what is kind yeah. of your view on what should the community uh, go forward and and try to to achieve because of course it's always nice like it's a community of uh, web3 startups based in in portugal trying to do a lot of things but what could denied as a dao uh, work um to benefit the the ecosystem the industry here and um anywhere in the world or any with any company that's coming to portugal and trying to build operations yeah. here yeah i mean uh, uh, so yeah there's there's a there's a even today we were talking about that um so um, I, I'm filling in Pedro Oliveira's role, basically, um, until the end of the season ends. So this season of the nights ends on Feb uh, Sept uh, September, I think. Um, I think in the beginning of September. And so um, it started last September. They did uh, all these events uh, along Web Summit and parties, and it was pretty cool, and workshops even. And uh, um, and so the season lasts one year uh, and the sponsor sponsors the season for one year and it lasts until September. And so until September, we're trying to at least set up a way to elect new leadership for the third season. So after September, there will be new leadership. Maybe I'll be elected. Maybe I won't. We don't know. Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll be a candidate. Maybe I won't. And so the idea is to set up the system where we're going to have the members of the DAO, which is the people that bought the NFT or will buy the NFT, uh, that we still have to um, uh, advertise that's available for some, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, those people will be the members of that and they will have a vote with their NFT, right? And they will be able to vote on who they want to elect as the leadership of the DAO. And so we're going to make elections to elect a, a, leadership a leadership team that we want to shape in a way that it becomes, let's just say, a more diverse team than what it is now. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so the the duty now is to until september setting up the system where we can have the members of the dao that own the nft be able to elect the new leadership team and then the leadership team decides what to do next and people will candidate themselves to become a part of the leadership team with their own visions and their own ideas of what the nice dao could be i'll probably do that right that's why uh, i replaced Pedro because we're like oh maybe you could be uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and so um um i could probably do that as well and i have a vision where the nice DAO could actually be um, pretty decentralized DAO and, and could actually uh, amass a treasury of funds that we could use to do very cool stuff um, because it's impressive how, how, how much stuff was done by you know, a, a, you know, a handful of people just throwing parties together and creating this movement that it is now. And so I think we could do much more, much more interesting, much more interesting stuff going forward. And um, yeah, I mean, right now, up until today, 
nobody was elected to be the leadership of the Knights now, right? Those people just came together and they just started doing stuff and now they're the leaders because they 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 funded it, let's, let's say. And so um, it, it was not operating as a DAO at all, but it was always a plan to transition to a DAO and that's basically what we're trying to do next uh, until September, hopefully. And even then, even when we will have a leadership team that's elected, that's not really decentralized, right? Uh, it was decentralized the choice of who, but then those people can still do whatever they want. But let's put a term limit. Let's put, you know, boundaries on what they could do, right? Let's put some rules in place so that they cannot just, hey, I want all the money for myself. Bye. Paul, it was really nice to to speak with you for, for these minutes and getting to know you a bit better. I hope that everyone in the community and even people that will be hearing that are not part of the community really enjoyed the conversation in getting to know the way of the way the way you think about DAOs, and I really think it was really valuable to learn a bit more uh, on on how these things work. And thank you very much for spending uh, thank this, you, man. this time with me. For everyone who who is listening, don't forget to go firstly to thenights.com uh, uh, website if you want to check what is holding for the season two of the nights, the events that are happening. There are a lot of things happening in the coming months. Don't forget to follow the nights on Twitter or on TikTok for any announcements. Uh, and of course, don't forget to, to subscribe to uh, the nights TV uh, on uh, YouTube and on Spotify to not miss any of the episodes. Uh, once again, thank you for hearing this episode and good night. Mm -hmm.